your stories, your scars, physical scars, or probably the scars for your soul, they are important for you because they are the evidence of uh, sometimes difficult or sometimes very sad stories that you will have in your life. These uh, scars uh, make you beautiful because uh, they make you strong. Hi everybody, welcome back to another episode of Ship It and Sip It. I'm John, I'm very excited to have Olya Kalada here in the studio with us today. She is a QA engineer at Paralect and she's been with us since 2017 and she's also a mentor and lead QA engineer at our Startup Summer Program, which helps to build products for the Paralect Accelerator. And that's why I'm excited to have you here today. We just had our demo day last week. So Oli is here to tell us about that project, uh, what she loves about mentoring QA students and much more from her story. But first, she's picked a lovely uh, Riesling for us to drink today. Oli, why did you pick Riesling for us? Yes, at first uh, I planned to bring uh, the other wine, but unfortunately I wasn't able to find uh, that wine at the stores. So that's why I brought uh, my second favorite wine, it's a German wine. I think that uh, it's uh, tasty, fresh in some way. And uh, the most important point that uh, it's quite uh, uh, cheap <laughs> and the price is not waiting. And as you can see, we're well prepared to enjoy white wine here at the office with these perfectly matching glasses. So, well, I love the Riesling. Uh, it gives us a sense of sort of, it still feels like summer. It's a perfect picnic wine for a hot day. So cheers. Cheers. All right, so tell us a little bit about the demo day. It was just last week on Thursday. How did it go for your team? Were there any problems that you had to squash right before the product was presented? Oh, yes, uh, the demo day. Uh, it was uh, emotional and nervous as usual. And uh, the demo day is not just uh, the demonstration of the product that uh, the guys were developed and tested, but uh, it's also uh, uh, the student's last day in product in the company. It feels like, um, uh, I mean, uh, it's their the last day uh, in the role of the student. Mm. So for me, uh, it was also the same day because uh, it felt like uh, it's uh, the end of summer camp shift. <laughs> yeah. So that's why uh, it is so. And uh, about the demo day, uh, I think that everything went great. Uh, there were no problems at all, thanks God. <laughs> uh, there were three projects uh, this year. Two of them were uh, web projects and uh, one on mobile application. Mm. And uh, I think that uh, all of these uh, projects uh, have uh, potential and I hope that they will be uh, successful. Yeah, so you were working with the team on Mudahab. Yes. You can go back to an earlier episode of the show where I talked with Sarah, the founder of Mudahab, get the backstory on that idea. And today we'll talk about sort of the other sides, uh, the QA side, as well as what it was like to develop it together with the students. So, but first, let's go all the way back to the beginning of Startup Summer. This year was the second year that we've had not only developers, but also a QA team. 
and you were um, a leader in that sort of educational process, uh, both in terms of recruiting the students and being a mentor for them throughout the whole uh, course. So tell us, how, how did you find the students this year and what was the recruitment process like? You're right. It was uh, the second uh, QA startup summer. And by the way, it was uh, the first startup summer that was uh, held in two countries, in Belarus and in Poland. We were looking for uh, uh, people in both countries, in Belarus and in Poland. I don't remember exactly what ways of uh, advertising we used, but uh, I do remember that uh, we had uh, a lot of mentions in uh, the Telegram chat. We had uh, a lot of posts in Instagram, in LinkedIn, in Twitter about uh, what people uh, were looking for, right? Yeah. Second part. Who are you, yeah. Who are you trying to attract to the course? So the first requirement was uh, to find uh, some special people. I understand that uh, it probably sounds a little bit strange, but I hope that you will understand me because we're both working uh, in Bariet. Yeah. And uh, we have uh, such a specific feature that we are always looking for uh, a special and uh, we are looking for special and bright people who can join us and uh, complete us. The second requirement was uh, to find uh, people who are already uh, who already understand what testing is, uh, what should uh, uh, what a QA engineer should do, uh, how to work uh, on the projects, how to work in a team. So uh, it was um, required that uh, the future students should know. Um, should know how to work on the projects and uh, should, uh, should be interested in this thing. And uh, the third requirement was the good knowledge of English. Intermediate level was uh, enough for us. All right. And how many applicants were there this year? I saw on some of Karina's interviews with the different students that did make it in, some of them it was already their second time applying. Yeah. So. We had uh, two boys, oh. and uh, there were there was uh, their second try. They tried really willing to get in, you know. So about applications, uh, there were two hundred and thirty-seven applications. Oh my goodness! But this number is not scary at all because uh, last year we had uh, about three hundred applications. For how many spots? Ah, uh, six. All the tips, spots. Okay. All right. So, how did you sort of whittle this number down and try and find the best six for the teams? Uh, the main requirement for the application was uh, to complete uh, the, the, the testing task. And uh, this task was about uh, the mobile application that was fully invented. It didn't exist. And we described uh, uh, briefly the requirements for this, for, for this application. Uh, we described uh, user stories. And uh, there was also a small mockup. Mm. And uh, the main task from the uh, applicants uh, was uh, to create a bunch of checklists or a bunch of test cases that uh, should be enough for future testing. Uh, so we checked uh, 237 applications and so we cho chose uh, the best ones. We chose uh, 40, uh, 40 applications 
and pre-scheduled uh, the interview for each of them. So briefly, I can say that uh, the selection process consisted of two phases, uh, the testing task itself and the interview. And how long did the interview usually last with each person? Uh, it lasted one hour. Oh. Sometimes it was even shorter. Is there anything else you'd like to share just about the group of students as a whole that made it in this year? Any highlights or stories from just at the beginning? They are all great guys. And I'm hoping that uh, four of them will join our campaign. Fantastic. Yeah. All right. So the course starts off with two weeks of lectures. Um, what were you hoping that the students learned in those two weeks that they didn't already know? We have uh, two weeks of lectures. And uh, there was uh, a lecture a day. And so the topics uh, for these lectures were very different. For example, there were a lot of topics about the testing itself, uh, like uh, testing levels, testing types, test documentation, and so on. The second topic was um, about um, technical things. Uh, we talked about uh, API testing, databases, uh, mobile testing. And uh, the third uh, topic was connected to uh, soft skills. And probably these uh, lect lectures were the most important technique. And we discussed a lot uh, such uh, things as uh, how to communicate with the client, how to work in a team, how to cope with uh, different conflicts. After the lectures, we usually have had uh, some uh, discussions, some home tasks and so on. And I think that uh, we really needed this period of uh, two weeks uh, lectures because it was like uh, uh, the smooth uh, plunging into the work process, yeah. real work. Yeah. All right, so let's get into that then. We had six QAs, three different teams, so I assume there were two QAs on each team? Yes. Okay. All right, and so what did it look like when they were put into these teams to work on the different products? The teams um, are consisted of our product manager, uh, designer, uh, debt lead, of course, uh, was also a debt mentor, debt students, uh, QA lead slash QA mentor, and uh, QA students. And uh, the big, uh, the bigger part of the team was uh, consisted from the students and uh, the smaller part was consisted from the people from project from the company. Yeah, and the development teams had already been working for some time on, on yes. the products themselves. So uh, how did you sort of onboard the QAs to the process? What did that transition look like? Developer team has started a little bit earlier, about uh, somewhere at the beginning of July, and so uh, QA started two weeks later, and uh, we need uh, to we need this period so the developers can go to work uh, much faster. Mm. And yeah, the transition was smooth. Smooth. We have started from the lectures, and we have just uh, get the guys with each other. We talked a lot about the projects uh, themselves and we uh, told the guys, told the QA guys uh, about their roles, their future tasks and so on. Awesome. And the team that you were the QA lead and mentor for was Muda Hub, as we mentioned. So uh, 
at the start of that sort of uh, describe the situations that the QAs were in at that point? How did you kick things off? What was there to test? Was there anything sort of specific to Muda Hub that was challenging for the QA team? Mm -hmm. Yes, uh, I was on the Muda Hub project. Uh, it's uh, a mobile application where the users can create uh, virtual wardrobes that uh, consist of their clothes, uh, and then they can create uh, stunning outfits, looks, and uh, they can also share these looks in the feed, so the other users can like it or just can watch it, so I can watch their sense of style, and so on. And uh, I love the idea of this indication because I think that nowadays uh, there are a lot of people who are interested in fashion. There are a lot of people who want to share their sense of style, their sense of passion. I think that um, there can be, that we can have quite a big uh, target audience and uh, probably I hope so that uh, this application can be successful. Yes. And about the most uh, challenging task. Sure. Yes, uh, probably my answer will be a little bit, um, will surprise you a little bit, but uh, for me, the most uh, challenging task uh, was not in testing. It was, uh, it happened uh, on the very first stage, on a preparation stage. There was uh, such uh, an activity where we should uh, choose uh, the concrete mobile devices for the future testing. And uh, it was challenging for me and for creative, for me especially, because uh, I had a lot of experience in web testing mm. and much less experience in mobile testing. It was my second or third uh, mobile application, so I felt a big responsibility while uh, we were choosing the mobile devices. And uh, I wanted to ensure that uh, we would cover all these scenarios and we would try to find all the possible problems uh, that uh, might be connected with the device. I saw um, the developer lead or mentor, it was Anton, right? Yes. He was sharing quite a bit on his Twitter about you know, different ways that he was working with the images to try and improve the app speed and sort of make the whole thing work smoother from an architecture perspective. Um, was there anything specific with that sort of image recognition or handling images in the app in, an, in a dynamic and, and efficient way that was challenging to test? At first, I thought, and uh, I was prepared that uh, there might be a lot of defects and a lot of failures. But unfortunately, or fortunately for us as for Curate uh, Anything was okay. Uh, the developer guys and Anton, uh, they uh, did a great job during our work. Uh, uh, so our work uh, has, has lasted about a month and a half. And during this period, we have reported about 90 defects. And the majority of these defects were with a uh, uh, low priority. Well. So developers uh, did a really great job and there were no fails. And I think that it means that uh, our mobile application is very stable. <laughs> Fantastic. So 
over the month and a half as you got closer and closer to demo day, um, were there any sort of last minute crunches or interesting stories or things that you had to fix with the team right before demo day? No. No. I found that such stories. Yeah. Uh, yes, the last days were nervous, but probably they were such nervous because of the demo because of the deadlines, but uh, the testing was really smooth. And unfortunately, I can't tell you it's interesting. It all works. All right. Yeah. Well, that's good. Uh, okay, so looking ahead then to, we hopefully will have a similar QA course next year. Um, is there anything that you'd like to change about it? I don't want uh, to brag. But I think that uh, this uh, course was great and uh, we did have uh, several issues during the last year, during the last course. But we have corrected all of them uh, this year, but there is uh, no limit to perfection. Right. <laughs> and uh, when we already uh, had uh, some thoughts what we could do better next year, what we can do better next year. For example, we can uh, still work on our lectures. We can uh, add uh, more technical things to our lectures. We can discuss uh, more uh, API testing. For example, the technique you need to discuss such things as uh, dev tools of Postman, how to work with Postman. And it would be great to add um, more home tasks and more uh, practical tasks so the guys the students can uh, work uh, can work in practice with with some things awesome all right so we have a pretty good view of how the sort of qa process works within the startup summer um is there any major are there any major differences when it comes to um, other products that come into parallax uh, with founders in sort of outside of Startup Summer as sort of a, a regular uh, startup that we partner with in terms of setting up QA processes. You wrote a lovely blog post about this. It's still on the blog. We'll leave a link to that. Uh, but is there are there any major differences? I think that uh, the main difference is um, in, in the attention to to the students from Startup Summer and to QA specialists who are already working in Cardiapt. And I mean that uh, QA students, uh, they definitely require much more time and much more attention. And that's completely okay because they just, uh, uh, they are just starting their path in IT world. And uh, they do have uh, a lot of questions. They do have a lot of doubts. And uh, you as a mentor should um, uh, always be somewhere near them and help them on every uh, stage or on, on, with every process. For me, mentoring uh, a QA student is like uh, raising a child, <laughs> but uh, it will be better to say like raising a good specialist. Right, right. And I speak about uh, uh, QA specialists who are already working in Paralect. They have uh, much more freedom. They have, uh, they already have more experience. Probably some people more experienced, some a little bit less experienced, 
but uh, uh, they can cope with uh, some questions with with some problems by themselves. They do need uh, help with uh, some moments, but they require this uh, help um, in, in in less situation. Mm-hmm. And do you have any sort of memories of being mentored when you were first in Paralept? When you joined back in 2017, was there anyone that really helped you improve your skills or navigate the projects that you came into? In, in Paralept? Yeah. Uh, of course, it was Dulish Balkar, uh, who unfortunately is not working with us. <laughs> yes, and uh, she, uh, she is a great person. Uh, and uh, she helped me a lot uh, on uh, the fintech project that I was working on during that time. It was in Tangier. Yeah, she, she was great. Fantastic. And I guess within the QA team, what does uh, continued mentorship look like at this point? Uh, I mean, we have a lot of startups that are sort of, you know, the team here, team A, team B, team C. How do the curators sort of handle knowledge sharing and uh, improve each other's work processes? Uh, you mean in, the, in our company yeah, between uh, different products? Yeah. Different projects? Yeah. We have such activities as uh, curate talk. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, we have uh, about five, six mentors who already know what exactly a curate specialist uh, no, and what uh, knowledge he or she can share with us with Trade Fatward. Well, if it works and it's short, that's that's perfect. All right, um, but in terms of your education, you came from a background of teaching language. Um, didn't pursue that as a career. You came into to IT, but uh, do you see any parallels between sort of teaching language and mentoring uh, young QA? people yes i'm a teacher by education and uh, i even uh, worked at school and during my practice time at university and uh, i thought about it by myself and for me uh these processes have uh, have a lot of similarities Mentoring is really like a teacher uh and by the way i think that uh, probably i can call myself a good mentor I, I call so I could call myself a good mentor, and I can do it because uh, of my education. I studied uh, pedagogics and uh, psychology at university, and uh, probably these uh, basics helped me on uh, helped me in such soft skills as uh, communication, uh, giving a good uh, constructive feedback and to uh, understand uh, what problems may be between the guys, between their students, and so on. So yes, mentoring is really like a uh, like teacher at school. <laughs> Fantastic. And I guess, what have you discovered are the skills or tactics that, that make a good mentor? First of all, it should be the ability to conduct a dialogue. Mm-hmm. and. The ability to communicate with completely different people. Uh, secondly, there is uh, such a good skill uh, to communicate uh, with uh, difficult people. 
and uh, I uh, really needed this skill uh, in preparation to start up summer, especially during, during interviews <laughs> and so on. And uh, the other skills um, uh, which are also necessary, uh, they are active listening, uh, um, constructive feedback, as I said before. And I guess, can we dive in a little bit deeper to the uh, teaching style or how we train QAs? So I assume that you don't just tell them how to do something and they repeat what you said on their computers. Uh, so how do you guide this sort of, I assume that it is sort of discovered learning or something like that, where they're uncovering ways uh, to do their work sort of on their own. My secret tip is uh, to be a good friend from them because uh, uh, I am as a mentor, uh, probably I am the closest person in the company for them. And uh, it should be okay, you know, for students, for mentees uh, to trust me and to understand that they can come to me with any question and they can ask for any help. And probably that's why we uh, uh, find the connection between us and that's why they and we listen to what I'm talking to them <laughs> and so on. <laughs> Fantastic. Well. Uh, let's talk a little bit more about your earlier history with Parallax because it's been a long journey, but it hasn't been particularly smooth. So uh, you can be as open as you'd like on this section. Um, but I'm curious, just to start, what attracted you to the team way back in 2017? It was um, 2017, <laughs> and uh, I was planned to create uh, a farm systems for oh. my previous place of work. And uh, I had uh, about five or six uh, interviews, and uh, the interview in Parallax uh, was the greatest. First of all, it was uh, the longest that I had ever had. It lasted about uh, three hours. And uh, the second point, it was uh, the most difficult, and there were a lot of tricky testing questions. There, there were a lot of some different uh, test cases, test scenarios that I should uh, sort over. But uh, at the same time, uh, I felt myself like uh, I'm uh, in the right place. And uh, I felt uh, very comfortable during this interview. So I decided to join the company. I was glad that uh, at that time when I joined, the company was not big. There were about 50 or 60 people. And uh, they all were so smiling, so friendly, and so passionate about what they were doing. So I can say that uh, probably I made uh, this decision just to rely on my feelings. But maybe that's why uh, this decision was the right one. And can we just uh, dig into that a little bit more? Because for those viewers that don't know, EPOM is a very large global development company. They have tens of thousands of people, different offices around the world. Mm -hmm. um, so with that comes a much larger corporate culture, mm -hmm. I assume. I've never worked there, but I know many people who have. Some like it, some don't. So uh, I'm just curious with your experience, what made you sort of open to going from that sort of big 
environment to something much smaller like Parallax? It was uh, the great experience in uh, IPAM and uh, I love to uh, work in this company and uh, it was um, it was uh, great then to compare the big company and the small one. Uh, I worked in uh, IPAM about uh, three years so it was uh, a good uh, period and uh, I just wanted to uh, to be in uh, some uh, full company where everybody knows each other, where everybody close to each other. So that's why I was looking for a small company and I wanted to try uh, uh, such and to try such an experience. Interesting. All right. So fast forward to 2021 and you had some pretty significant health problems. So. Uh, what happened and, and what caused your longer medical leave? I need to drink <laughs> all this thing. It will be a little bit tough to discuss. <laughs> so, yes, in uh, 2021, I was uh, on vacation in Turkey and uh, I broke uh, my left uh, collarbone and urine parabolitum. Uh, yes. Um, so how did it happen? Uh, it was a uh, very windy day and uh, unfortunately I chose uh, the wrong paragliding company because um, because of such weather they should uh, propose to me the other day but they didn't and uh, I didn't understand uh, how dangerous it could be. The accident has happened, uh, there was uh, a strong wind and uh, me and the instructor, we were uh, with the parachute already and the wind uh, just, just hit us and then we hit the ground. And so at first uh, I even didn't understand that uh, something bad has happened because I, I didn't feel any prey at all. I just started to touch myself to understand that everything is okay. And then by accident I touched uh, my collarbone and uh, I understood immediately that there, there was a big problem because uh, I felt uh, under my fingers that uh, there, there were several fragments of my bone under oh, the TV. It was uh, the, the close fracture, closed fracture. Yeah. So there were several fragments of the bone and uh, there was a strange deep hollow uh, where the color bone should be. Oh. Uh, Yes, the instructor and the driver, they took me to the hospital there in Turkey in Fetishnivia, if I remember the name of the city correctly. Uh, so, uh, and uh, the doctor, uh, the doctors said to me that uh, it is a colon bone fracture with uh, displacement of um, bone fragments. And uh, the only treatment here is uh, was uh, the duration, where the doctors should uh, put these fragments together, and they should uh, fix uh, these uh, fragments, this bone under a titanium plate. Mm -hmm. So yes, I had uh, this uh, first operation in Turkey, and I hoped that uh, it would be that end, but no. It right. That was my next question was like, did you have a sense that you, because you ended up being on leave for quite a long time, did, yes. did, did you have a sense of how long you would be sort of out? 
Yes, at first uh, I was told that uh, my bone uh, would overgrow in five or six months, mm -hmm. and then it would be possible to take away the titanium plate from me. But uh, in summer 2021, I was ordered in Belarus. It turned out that during that first operation, uh, the doctors fixed my bone uh, in uh, in their all in our ways, mm -hmm. there were still uh, small distances between the bone segments, and so the bone uh, uh, wasn't able to overgrow, wasn't able to heal planted this titanium plate. So next ten years, I had uh, four operations, four other operations, with uh, the goal to make my collarbone to overgrow. Mm -hmm. And two of these operations were very difficult because uh, uh, the doctors in Belarus already they took the pieces of my bone in my inu, so hip bone. Yeah. Okay. I don't remember how it's called. Paraclinic. Yes. Yeah. I googled it and it was inu inu something. Ah, ilium. Okay. But it's good to understand yeah. bone. I mean, it's uh, like like this th th these columns. Yeah, so um, doctors took uh, the pieces of my bone from uh, this place and then uh, they put these pieces into my collarbone and uh, it's it's common practice uh, uh, and uh, usually after such operations uh, your bone that was fractured, uh, it started to overgrow. But unfortunately it didn't happen. Didn't Several times it didn't happen. Oh, and uh, last um, uh, last like a sexual uh, operation which I had uh, in December last year it was 2022 and uh, after this operation I uh, got an infection Body. so uh, January in February and this year uh, 2023 uh, were very 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 difficult for me and uh, in March during this year, I spent uh, the whole month uh, in uh, the hospital and there was the last operation. I hope that's going to be my last one. Oh. This operation where doctors uh, saved me from the infection. Oh. So, uh, good news. Uh, I'm alive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, bad news. My collarbone uh, is still in bad condition. Yeah. Unfortunately, uh, titanium plates uh, is not for me anymore because of the infection. Yeah. And uh, my bone uh, stays uh, thin and deformed oh. with uh, different small holes in it. And it means that, it means that unfortunately, I will not be able to move my left arm in uh, all the directions. But uh, it's completely okay for me. Uh, because uh, firstly, um, I'm glad that I'm alive, right. as I said, and secondly, uh, I think that our organism is very smart, and uh, probably with uh, the persistence from my side and with uh, good uh, rehabilitation and with good uh, physical exercises, so uh, who knows? Maybe my arm will be okay, and uh, I will be able to spin, to stand on the hands. Yeah. So it leads to different ways, so cool knows. Well, I, I'd certainly hope that it uh, does continue to improve uh, and maybe just less adventurous holidays in the future. 
Oh, Kurt. Still adventurous, but more safe, I guess you could say. So in terms of the team and your relationship with people here at Parallax, sort of did, how did they support you during this time? Tasha Posikova supported me a lot as a curate cat. She was always in touch with me. And there were several other people um, who always wrote to me and who always asked uh, how, how I am, yeah. how I was. Very good. And so uh, what were some of the ways that you sort of got through this? I guess you didn't know, uh, as you said, you didn't know how long it would actually take. So, so I, can, I can only imagine that sort of every couple months there was some new setback. Yes. Something else went wrong. No. Um, so I guess, what did you learn from, from such an experience or how did you manage it? It was a very tough period uh, these two years, but probably the most difficult period was uh, in this year from January to April, when uh, I already knew that uh, I had an infection and that there could be so bad um, complications, uh, very bad complications. And uh, I felt myself like uh, I was uh, alone in a deep, dark well, and there, is, uh, there was no exit. Uh, my family helped me a lot, my friends, uh, and uh, probably when I was, uh, probably April was uh, the most uh, difficult month for me. And uh, at one moment, I understood that uh, I was not able to cope with it by myself. I decided that uh, I needed to visit a psychologist. So I started to, uh, to visit with a psychologist and uh, she helped me a lot. And she stopped helping me. So I think that probably that was the best decision that I had done during this tough like, period, this tough month. Mm -hmm. And I guess since you had worked a lot with startups over last year and you were looking forward to coming back this year, was that sort of something that kept you uh, hopeful in some way? Yeah. Uh, last startup summer, it was right between my operations. <laughs> so, yes, and uh, this startup summer, it was like uh, a good rehabilitation for me. Because uh, there were a lot of tasks. Uh, I returned from my sick leave at the beginning of May, and uh, it was uh, the middle of vacations, uh, and uh, there were a lot of work with checking these testing tasks, with scheduling the interviews, then you need to conduct these interviews. Then you need to discuss uh, what students uh, were the best ones, and so on. And uh, it was uh, such a period when you didn't think about your problems at all. Mm -hmm. Because you have a lot of work and you loved this work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I can imagine with such a, a long time away, you know, two years is a long time in terms of technology. Things move very quickly. Yes. Um, were there any things that you did to sort of stay up to date? Were you worrying about sort of losing knowledge or skills that you had learned in the previous years? How did you handle that? Of course, I was worrying that um, uh, that uh, I was forgetting some practical things. 
I completely uh, forgot English. <laughs> Not completely, as we can see. You're doing great. <laughs> but anyway, sorry for my seeing mistakes. <laughs> but uh, I know that uh, uh, it is the problem. But uh, anyway, I understood that uh, I should uh, uh, concentrate on uh, my health. And so uh, that's completely okay because uh, my uh, uh, physical condition, my mental condition are um, more important than uh, any work. So uh, first of all, I should fix uh, this part of my life. Oh. And then I can uh, come back to work. I can, uh, and I already did, I uh, reread some articles. I have started to use some uh, testing tools which I started to forget completely. So th that's okay, these skills uh, can be revived and so that's okay. Awesome. And is there anything else that you'd like to share about sort of coming back and diving into startup somewhere this year? Uh, did it give you a lot more energy or, or how did it help you sort of transition back into the work environment? That, that my, uh, that the end of my tough period uh, uh, was completed and that uh, this end, this end matched uh, the beginning of startup summer uh, and uh, it was great uh, because uh, during my two years sick leave I felt that, I felt a little bit that I'm just useless mm -hmm. and uh, there, there were a lot of changes in Panelect and so there were a lot of new people in Paranet uh, which uh, didn't know me and Kola I didn't know. Okay. And uh, I was, of course, I was worrying about it. But uh, when you, uh, when I returned to work and uh, when I uh, was, uh, when I joined uh, Startup Summer Activity, I uh, understood that uh, I am useful, I was useful, and I'm still useful. <laughs> and uh, Curated by Talent was rating for me, and uh, it's a great feeling. So, uh, another thing that's changed a lot, of course, recently are AI tools when it comes to product development. Are there any in the testing space that have really changed the workflow in any way? Are there any ways that, that you guys use? AI tools to test better, make better products, all of that stuff. We still don't use any AI tools, but uh, but I feel that these changes in this sphere uh, will be for the better because it's definitely that uh, AI tools can help us uh, in uh, test data management, for example. It also will help us to be uh, more sufficient in uh, some uh, uh, testing activities. So I think that uh, it will, this, uh, uh, these future changes will be definitely for the better. Awesome. All right. And what is one thing that you used to believe about technology or testing or startups that you have changed your mind about in your career? Can we just uh, a little bit uh, change this question? Sure. Uh, because uh, the first version of your question, there was uh, the personal part. Or life, yes. yes. Or life, okay. <laughs> because you you want to answer the life part? Yes. yes. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> some personal insight. Fantastic. From, We're. From me. That's the reason you're here. So. Yes. <laughs> As I said. <laughs> My answer will be connected to personal life, uh, 
influence will be connected to these uh, changes, so this change that uh, are these accidents that uh, happened with me. I used to probably it will sound a little bit uh, in a little bit childish way, and probably it will be little uh, it will be a little bit silly. But I hope that you will understand me, and so you will not judge me. <laughs> they won't judge you either. Please don't. Uh, okay, so uh, I used to believe uh, that uh, uh, the scars on uh, people's bodies uh, that uh, it's um, that they are the sign of uh, something bad, and they are not beautiful at all. And uh, I. I felt uh, sorry for the persons who had for example a lot of scars or even if uh, it was a small scar but very notable anyway uh, I felt uh, uh, sorry for this uh, awful uh, story mm. that probably happened for this person but now I am such a person uh, I have uh, quite a big and long scar on my shoulder and uh, I can't say that uh, I have already accepted it. I think that I'm just uh, somewhere at the very beginning of my acceptance stage. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm still working on it. And uh, I'm working on it with my psychologist that uh, the scar is okay and she should have cried it and so on. About a month ago, I read uh, a great article about the scars. And I even um, didn't remember exactly what uh, what this story what this story was about, but uh, I do remember that uh, there was uh, a great phrase that just got stuck in my head. Uh, so the phrase, "The beauty is in struggle," oh. and uh, for me, uh, this phrase uh, is so deep. And uh, there is uh, such an important message. Your stories, your scars, physical scars, or probably the scars for your soul, they are important for you because uh, they are the evidence of uh, sometimes difficult or sometimes very sad stories that you will have in your life. These uh, scars uh, make you beautiful because uh, they make you strong and uh, Yes, and you're strong and very beautiful. <laughs> awesome. Well, on that note, thank you so much for joining me yeah. and uh, sharing your story. And I hope that you continue to get stronger and continue to teach the people that join Parallact in the future and to help make great products here and also, I guess, great people. So thank thanks so much. Cheers. <laughs> thank you, guys.